change in a lot of ways and a lot of things. And it wasn't better overnight, amen, but hope was there overnight where hopelessness had been. But you need to understand as I begin this message today that Desperation doesn't have to lead you to hopelessness. Desperation should actually lead you to the place of the proper positioning of your hope. The Bible says that hope does not disappoint. But for hope to not be disappointed, you have to hope in the right things. And there's not a person in this room who hasn't been placed in a situation or circumstance where maybe you felt impossible odds or hopelessness or maybe you walked through something and you think that uh, because of what happened, it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, there's, there's that the, the future is bleak and there's no reason to hope. But God has a way of turning things around when we hope in Him. And uh, because of the sake of time, I don't have the time to read the whole scenario to you, you're familiar with the story in 1 Samuel chapter 1 where it, there's the birth of Samuel that happens and Hannah had been seeking God for a child and um, this man Elkanah, her husband, had two wives and one seemed to be, uh, you know, just the baby factory and the other could not get pregnant. I will read to you verse 9 and 11. And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. And now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And Hannah, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give your servant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and the razor shall touch his head. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Uh, let it settle in our heart. Let it produce fruit for your glory and your honor. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, it's been a very interesting summer. Amen. Uh, it's been busy. Um. Not only for, I mean, for the church, right? We've had a lot of things going on, getting ready for uh, all the things that take place in the sermon, youth retreat and VBS and the things that really help us capitalize on our vision, uh, cover bridge days, the things that really put us out. Uh, interns, we have four interns this year. Uh, come on, give God praise for that. Um, as a matter of fact, this is Alyssa Lipsy's last Sunday with us. She goes home this coming week. I'm sad. Come on, let's give Alyssa a hand for all the things she helped. She's been our summer daughter. She stayed with my wife and I. We've known Alyssa since she was like this tall. and She hadn't grown much bigger than that. But um, it's been, I think, to be honest with you, it's been as good for Lisa and I to have Alyssa around as it is for Alyssa to be at the church and uh, we just enjoy it. I don't think I've laughed so much. And <laughs> uh, anyway, so we love you and we're going to miss you. Her mom flies in Wednesday and, and then they, they take the trek back to South Carolina on uh, Thursday. Going back to Clemson, right? And some of our other interns are still here for a week or two. So we've got some things to do yet. And we'll, we'll tell you their story as they begin to be released into some areas. But back to Clemson and Young Life. Now, Secular College with the Young Life Ministry on Camp's Great. So, uh, pray for her, amen. It's so good. There's been so much that happened this year. And it can, be, it can be a little overwhelming. And on top of that, when we walk through our own battles, I just think God has been speaking to us about brokenness and about fear and, and those particular things. When we're desperate for God, I believe it's then that God begins to do amazing things. Sometimes we're desperate for God. We don't even know we're desperate for God. We're just desperate. Come on, somebody. 
because of our desperation, we can grasp at everything to try and figure it out, right? To, to try and, and save ourselves. And, and we don't often realize that our desperation is actually for God more than it is for the end of a struggle. But it's in those desperations when we actually get a hold of God. It's like the woman with the issue of blood. She says, if I can touch the hem of his garment, if I can grasp a hold of God. In the Jewish male's garment, there, at the bottom, there's a blue thread that represents the covenant of God. And that's basically what she was saying. She would know if I can touch the covenant of God, if I can get a hold of God. I'm desperate at this moment to be out in public. And that moment meant stoning for her. Instant death. She was accepting the punishment, but she was desperate. Come on, somebody. Can I say this to you? I didn't put it in the notes, but you might want to write it down. It, it just kind of hit me uh, again during uh, worship as, as we were just before the Lord there. When, when, when the impossible is all that's left, what's your reaction? When the impossible is all that's left, what is our reaction? There's, there's a pastor who, uh, I, I read this story about him. He's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle. His name is uh, uh, Jim Sabilla. And he tells the story of being in a prayer meeting. And, and, and in this prayer meeting, he noticed that there was a woman close to him who was praying. And, and he could not notice her because as she continued to pray, her prayer got louder and louder and louder. Um, and and he, he began to focus on her as she prayed. And, and initially, he was a little bothered by how her prayer kept getting louder and louder. But then he listened to her prayer, and, and he writes this. This is what she said. She began to call out to God very loudly. And she said, God, if you don't do something about my son's addiction, you, he's going to die. God, you must intervene. She says, she says, God, if you don't intervene, he's going to overdose and he's going to be God. He cannot help himself, God. You must help him. He said, I moved from being taken back by her loud prayer to suddenly realizing that that is the way I should approach God with desperation. With abandonment. God, if you don't do it. During this 10 weeks for the internship, we've been specifically, as I work with the interns, working through prayer. And it's been incredible what God has been speaking to us uh, and, and how he's been sharing about approaching him and, and how our prayers should change. The day of, of, of praying the little prayers, the little religious poems, has got to end for us. And we have got to stop being scared to pray dangerous prayers and desperate prayers. God, if you don't get involved. There, there, there's got to be a time in our life where we're so desperate that we acknowledge that God is in control. I'm at the end. It is impossible. And that is what is left. What's my reaction? Is my reaction that God, you are the only one who can do what is needed in this moment? I, I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to say this right now without any hesitation. I want you to just take a deep breath. If we're going to see God do what is needed... If we're going to see God do what's needed in our lives, in our community, in this world that we live in that has lost its mind. The Bible says, woe to them who call good bad and bad good. And church, I, I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life where it has been more evident that you turn on the radio, turn on the news, and you just look at it and go, what are people thinking? If we're going to see God do what is needed in our lives, in our communities, in our families, in our schools. 
We have, have got to be desperate and sincere and intentional as we approach God. We, we have adopted this ideology that the lost world needs to be desperate for God so they can be fixed. But I, I'm just beginning to understand that it needs to be the church that's desperate for God so God can work through the church to a lost and dying world. If God's people aren't desperate for Him... The world is going to stay desperate and grasp for things that are never going to answer their situation. Yeah. It's the church who has the lifesaver. But we're not throwing it overboard. We are God's tools. We are his people and any revival that will go through this land must start in our hearts. And being in the presence of God, experiencing God firsthand so that we can live out his love and his passion to a lost and dying world is what God has called us to do, young or old, sick are, are, are healthy, wealthy or poor. It doesn't matter this morning. It must begin in us. Desperation must begin in us. Our, our story is an incredible story. And, and I've preached numerous sermons out of this, this particular story over you know, the time that God has allowed me to minister the word of God. You, this man's got two wives, Hannah and Paniah, and one is barren and, and one is a baby factory. And every year they all go up to worship, the time of, of offering and of those particular things. And as they do this, Paniah goes up every year to the temple and, and she sacrifices to the Lord. And, and, and all the way through that, she ridicules Hannah that she doesn't have any babies. And each year that Hannah goes up, she, it's not a time of joy for her. It's not a time of, of, of rejoicing that God has blessed her. Each year that she goes up, she is reminded of her inability to have children. And, and she's reminded by this person who is sure that it is their ministry to tell them how bad they are. Come on, anybody can relate to that? Can you, can, is anybody in this room that can relate to the fact that it seems like every struggle you have, there's always someone who feels like it's their ministry to tell you all the things you're doing wrong? Hello, somebody. Every one of us got a panaya. Point out the obvious. Who, Ed McMahon. Or, I mean, like, uh, no, who, who, who was the, not Ed McMahon, uh, the NFL guy. Captain Obvious. Uh, what, what? He used to commentate. Madden. Madden. There we go. Madden. Captain Obvious. Well, if he throws the ball to the guy in the receiver in the end zone, they'll get a touchdown. Well, uh, obvious. You ever, had a, you ever had a John Madden ministry come to you? I'm, I'm glad you told me that. Let me say this to us real quick here because I just want to, I want to settle something in your spirit. Like Martin Luther, uh, the, the, we, we know him as, as the man who nails this thesis on the Catholic Church about grace. And, and most people think that's a Lutheran thing. But listen, I need you to grab a hold of something. This man changed, he turned the world upside down with his faithfulness and his honesty uh, about God and he, he wrestled with some things inside of who he was the fact that he was a sinner and the, the fact that God was holy he wrestled with this uh, and, and he wrestled with the idea that to truly experience the truth that God wants us to see in our lives we need to realize that there is a holy God and we are sinners and, 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 and this holy God is, is, is a God who has called us into his presence 
And that once you approach God with the authority and the majesty of who he is, there is a God thing that happens. A holy God actually pulls us to himself and lets us know just how much he loves us. It is so good. Let me me give it to you. He wrote some things like this. I don't have all day because anyway... Solus Christus, that was the word. It means Christ alone. The foundation of Christian faith is in Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Sola fida, that's faith alone. Salvation through Christ. You cannot earn it. It's a gift from God you accept by faith. Sola gratia, it's, it's, it's grace alone. Grace is, is a gift from God that we accept by faith. Sola scripture, which is scripture alone, is the promise of God. I, I saw a t-shirt the other day. I, I just, I want it so bad. It says, scripture versus everything. I was like, yeah, I wear that every day. Why? Why, church, would we not approach God like this woman in this prayer meeting in the Brooklyn Tabernacle, understanding that God is a holy God and understanding that God loves us and desires a relationship with us? And so here's Hannah. She, she felt that God was a holy God. And, and she sensed that she could trust his character and his promise. That sounds like a desperation prayer to me. Can, can I say this to us, church? Like, I, I, I get it. Like, I, I wasn't raised in church. There's, there's a part of me that is jealous of those who've had the benefit of this culture their whole life. But there's a part of me that is also grateful that I'm not numb to it, that I would take it for granted. I just I have no idea what people would do, how I would live my life without the faith community and Jesus Christ. Without people who love me. I don't I just don't know how you do it. Can I, can I say this to us, church? The world does not need more religion. We need more of the presence of God. And my prayer for us as a ministry, as we continue to grow and plant and do all the things that God has called us to do, as young people continue to come to the church, is that the one thing that's undeniable around this place is the presence of God. Not just in the fact that we get goosies or something like that, but in the fact that you see other people's lives have been changed and transformed like we talked about last week. It's it's tangible evidence that no matter what I'm going through, God is here. We, We don't need more religion. We need more of God's presence. And it's not religion that heals. Come on, somebody. It's not religion that sets the captive free. It's not religion that breaks chains and burdens. It's not religion that puts families back together. It's not religion that brings prodigals back home. Y'all not helping me this morning. It's not religion that sets someone whose mind is disturbed back into a right place. It's not religion, amen, that puts our feet on a solid ground. It's not religion that turns our lives around and gives us hope for the future. It's the presence of God moving in our hearts and lives. We need more of it. And we need to be desperate for that. Desperate for that. And I need you to understand something. It is God who ordains seasons of revival. And when those seasons come, you can't, you can't, you don't, I'm just telling you, you need to be desperate for that moment. Juliana's dad just got here yesterday, and they, they went down to the uh, Elkhart County Fair last night and driving through corn country. And her dad said, what on earth do you do with all this corn? <laughs> you know, you know we, we feed the world. The American farmer. And if you want to understand something, the American farmer, the majority are believers. And so not only do we feed the world, but we finance the kingdom. Oh, it's just like, I drive by cornfields and I'm like, man, I just want to pray in the spirit. 
it's just that's kingdom money right there. Come on, Lord, just pour it out in corn. Like this year with the, the, the freeze in Brazil, there, there's no corn crops. Like I just prayed, Lord, um, the American farmer is the one, once again, you caused it to be a light to the world. Here we go. We're able to do what no one else is do because of your hand of blessing on it. Bless them all, God. We have got to be desperate in every aspect. You've got to see God doing everything at every moment. God ordains seasons of revival. And I, as your pastor, believe that right now we are in a season of revival. And we must be open and ready for what God wants to do in our hearts and lives to pour himself out into this world. We need to be desperate for God. And I'll confess that my whole attitude about revival, listen, I, I'm, I'm from the South and we did revival twice a year whether you needed it or not. <laughs> You're going to have a week's worth of meeting in the fall and a week's worth of meeting in the spring. You can come seven days a week to the church every day. We might do well to have seven days worth of meetings around here. Some people's lives might get stirred up a little bit. Y'all better watch out. Well, revival is nothing about a set of meetings. Revival is about a moving of God, stirring his people back to a desperation for him and who he is in reality. The world will never see God's glory until Jesus Christ is lifted up in the church and then breaks out of the church into the world. This is what God is doing with us. And I love this portion of the story in the sense that Hannah was repeating God's word back to him. Do you know there's a scripture that God puts in the Bible that says, put me in remembrance of my word. Did God forget? Or they just want to know if you know. Hello, somebody. My wife often reminds me of what I've said. Like, I, I know what I said. She's like, I know what you said too. I'm just reminding you. That's what you said. Did God forget? He didn't. See, God is stirring us back to his promise. When God says, put me in remembrance of my word, he's saying, listen, I want you to be as assured that I keep my word, amen, as you can ever be. Remind me. Remind me. And this is what she's doing. She's saying to God here, she's saying, if you'll give me a son, if you'll remember your servant, I'll give him back to you, and, and he'll be raised in the house of the Lord. So what, why is she doing? What's she reminding there? The law, the law actually demanded the firstborn be given back to God. Something happened to Hannah. She's intimidated, and she was bullied by her counterpart, and she felt defeated by the things that she couldn't control. I know there's not a person in here that's ever been through that. Not a soul in this room who's felt defeated by situations that you can't control. Like somebody else made a decision for you, and it was out of your trunk. Like a sickness snuck up on you, and you're like, wait a minute. Like a financial issue happened and you're like, wait a minute. Like you raised your child the way they were supposed to go and they got up and got demons possessed and, and you, they lost their mind. And it's out of your control. I mean, you, you, there's, there's not a person, I know I'm the only one in this room. Hello, somebody. Y'all not help. This will go faster if you help me. My wife's like, no, it doesn't. Don't hang him on. He'll just say, uh, uh, don't do that. But that's the problem with desperation. When things get out of control, we get desperate and we want to take control. We want to bend things to our own will and our own thought process. But you know what? I'm believing more and more that sometimes God allows some things to happen. I didn't say cause, but I said allows some things to happen just to see whether we trust him or not. And the Bible says that God will test you. It, doesn't say he won't, he said, it says he won't tempt you, but it does say, it said he tested Abraham. 
when the impossible is all that's left, what's your reaction? Right there, God is moving, right? And this is happening. See, uh, see, it, it, the scripture is clear, right? She stood up and she said, I'm no longer going to take this. I'm not accepting this anymore. You know what she said? She said, enough's enough. Enough is enough. I'm done with this. She, she's so desperate. She's in the house of God praying that the priest himself who has seen people pray his whole life looks at her in her desperate time of prayer and she's so poured out before the Lord. He's never seen this kind of desperation before. And he says, look woman, why are you drunk in the house of God? Boy, come on somebody. I don't have time to read your Bible to you. You should really read it sometime. It's pretty interesting. You know what we used to call this kind of prayer? We used to call it praying through. Like you didn't leave the altar until it was done. You can ask, you can ask little Melinda. There are times at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. We're still under the tent. Right? She's still at the piano playing like... When is this going to be over, Dad? Like, just keep playing, girl. We used to call it playing, praying through. We used to call it storming heaven with our prayers based on us standing on the word of God. We used to say, God said, knock, knock, knock. He said, if any man will knock, I'll open the door. Come on, somebody. He said, if any man will seek, you will find, right? But sometimes, right, you got to seek. You got to dig. It doesn't happen on the first time. That's by design. How desperate are you? We just call it praying through. We just call it storming heaven. We, we, it's based on his word. What's happening here in this moment with Hannah? She, she is praying through. She's storming heaven, right? She's doing this thing. And a God moment happens. See, the problem is today, today, church, we want God without God. And that ain't going to happen. Deuteronomy 20, Dustin came up and shared it. He, he said, we, we've forgotten that God said, I'll fight for you. It's my fight, not yours. We, Western world church, we want God without God. But when we desire God and we seek God, those God moments, God does God things. And you know what God thing is? That's when the impossible happens. Let me tell you, there's a reason we call it a miracle. Because there isn't any other option. It, it's, it, uh, it's supernatural. It's against the odds, right? It's against the odds. See, see whether God does it instantaneous. Maybe God, hey, through the prayer of healing, bang, God heals disease. Maybe through the laying on of hands, God delivers, uh, right? A demon-possessed person, someone like that. Or, or, or maybe, maybe like in my case, God has to send an, my eight-year-old daughter to say, hey, you want, how about coming to church? And my motivation wasn't about God. <laughs> my motivation for going to church was, that'll put off, hello, somebody. But in that God moment, what is this? And let, let me just tell you something. I get a little loud sometimes. Every once in a while. Not a lot, but a little loud. But in this little Pentecostal church, we went there for three weeks. And, uh, you know, this, this pastor took a breath at the beginning of the sermon and the next breath at the end of the sermon. <laughs> then we got introduced to a tent revival. Come on. God moved. And I met Pastor Rick under that tent. And our lives, oh, see, God, sometimes it's step by step as revelation of God grows. You see, the one thing that I know is this. Her prayer was not, now I lay me down to sleep. Come on, church. This was a heart-to-heart -heart with God. This was a prayer of desperation. It was seeking God because something was impossible. It was that moment where, God, if you don't get involved, Enough is enough, God. 
She, she basically was telling God, if you don't get involved, your character's on the... See, we want those God moments with God, but not many of us are willing to be desperate to pray like that. To storm heaven with our petition and to wait for God to be God. When God reaches out to us church, right, that's what happens through desperation. I believe he reaches through those desperate moments to reveal himself to us in a way we could never see him before. Come on. You remember Elijah? He's He's like... The wind came, that's God. I've seen God do that before, but God wasn't in it. The fire came, oh, I've seen God that way. God, God's, I, th- this is definitely God. The earthquake came, I've seen, Elijah's seen God move in all those ways to shake the world around him, the power of God. And Elijah is used to God moving in that way, lightning and, and wind and fire and, and just power, stopping water and moving back stuff, right? Like, I'm, this is what Elijah, he's only seen God one way until a moment where every way he was used to seeing God, he didn't find God at all. But then, then something he'd never experienced before still small voice and there i've never seen god this way before you see in your moment of desperation whatever it is you're going through your doubt your brokenness your fear all the things god has been talking about to us over the last few weeks maybe god is just trying to reveal himself to you new and fresh so you see him like you've never seen him before so in your desperation you understand that god's just not a god who is at your beck and control to get you out of trouble but sometimes he walks us through the fire to let people know around us that he is a fire walking god a water walking god resurrecting kind of God. He can raise the dead and heal the sick. He can cast out the demons and deliver the captive. He's that kind of God. We say we want those moments. Let me tell you something. I believe that God hears the brokenhearted. I believe that God hears the seeking heart. And I believe his compassion has moved over and over, proven by the scripture, to the brokenhearted. You see this in the scripture, in the gospels. It's, it would tell you over and over, Jesus would see hurting and he would say he was moved with compassion. He was moved because of desperation. You see, we need to put our brokenness with God's compassion so God can do something amazing. Mm. Desperation on our part brings the compassion of God. Desperation on our part creates intimacy with God. And nothing is impossible when God is in it and God is allowed to be the center of it. It's a win-win every time. The door must be opened. Come on, church. The door must be opened. And when the door is open, there is fellowship and transformation that takes place. And in this room, listening to this message today, I want you to hear me and hear me well. Stop living in condemnation because you're desperate. Allow your desperation to cause you to pray like you've never prayed before. God, if you don't get involved. God, if you don't get involved. God, if you don't get involved, the door must be opened. And when it's opened, fellowship and transformation takes place. You see, we want God, but we don't want to let God in. We cry on the wrong side of the door. (laughs) Why do we do that? Open the door! Notice where Hannah was praying and crying. Not at home. In her closet. That hadn't worked. She was in the house of God, in the presence of God. Right out in the open where everybody could see her and continue to ridicule her. Even religion put her down about it, but she did not care. God, if you don't move. God, enough is enough. Enough 
is enough. I am tired of the enemy hounding me every day. I am tired of being condemned by something that is out of my control. I am tired of being less than what you've called me to be. Y'all don't know how she prayed. I just can hear her praying, God, I am tired, amen, of not, amen, lining up. I'm tired of living this valueless life, God, if you don't get involved. I'm tired of people ridiculing me. I'm tired of being hounded by my enemy. Come on, church. Where are you at this morning? Our desperation brings God's hope. And anything we go through, he desires to be with us so we don't go through it alone. Come on, church. Loneliness sucks. Yeah, I said that in a sermon. And don't condemn. You were thinking it. But it's not permanent. Listen to me, church. It's not permanent. God is the only one who can take our captivity and our despair and transform it into hope. Our desperation brings heaven here now. You remember what Jesus told us to pray? Thy kingdom come now. Pray this way. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our right now prayer. That's all right. That's not a, hey, do it tomorrow or do it when we get to heaven. No, God, Jesus specifically say, pray heaven comes now. Pray heaven. Pray what happens in heaven happens here. Y'all not hearing me, church. There ain't no crack addicts in heaven. Oh, there ain't no, come on, church. There ain't no brokenness in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. Listen to me, church. There's no family feud in heaven, church. There ain't no prodigals in heaven. He said, pray that heaven comes now. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven, church. Get desperate. Man, I got saved in 1992. I didn't know a thing about God, but I ain't never looked back since. And done everything right. But you know what? Grace is for the believer as much as it is for the non-believer. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Our desperation breaks heaven now. Why is it that God allows us to go through some things, Pastor Don? Why? 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 Because he wants to release heaven. A new creation now. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation Old things have passed away, behold all. He didn't say if any man be in Christ when he gets to heaven. Some of y'all waiting to celebrate till you get there because you're not even sure you're going to get there. If you was positive you're going to get there, you'd celebrate every day. Y'all got no idea. Jesus rescued me from hell. Y'all better get out the way. I got my dancing shoes on. They ain't coming off. They ain't coming off, right? Heaven's door is open to me. The Savior walks with us daily. When we have that kind of relationship with God, our prayers are gone. If you don't get involved. Our prayer isn't, oh God, what are we going to do? No, our prayer is, you know what? My God is a mountain climber. And that's just a heel for him. Come on, somebody. Mm. The pursuit of God is costly. Let me be a realist. Hello, church. Let me be a realist in this room today. The pursuit of God is costly. It will cost you all your heartache, all your pain, all your control. A sacrifice that God determines. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you to invest yourself. A hundred and ninety-five people invested their lives this past week. And I I share that story with me and Melinda. Now, in case some of y'all don't know, Melinda's my daughter. And Lisa's my wife. They look like twins, I get it, okay? Uh, uh, and this is the little mini-me here. This one is even like sometimes. But I tell that story a, a thousand million times because it's true. And my children can testify to it. 
It's not an exaggeration. I mean, you know, a good preacher can tell a story. Hello, somebody. But see, I need you to understand that I stand here almost 30 years after that moment. The greatest honor I've ever had, which is to lead this ministry. Because almost 30 years ago, someone invested their life to make a VBS happen. I don't know that person. I have no idea. But see, here, here's what breaks my heart. People come to me all the time, hey, Pastor Don, I want to get involved. Most of the time, that means I want a title. Hello. I, 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 I'll give you one. I, I wore a, a lot of titles since I've been saved. First one I, I wore was the church janitor. I cleaned the toilets every Sunday morning. They'll testify. Then, then I was a Sunday school teacher, right? Then I helped fellowship. I helped I, whatever. I cut the grass at church. I painted the walls. I, you know, when, when there was a wild snake running loose in the church and Pastor Rick looked at me during worship service and said, go get that snake and get it out of here. I was like, okay. And then I met someone at the door with a snake in my hand who had never been to our church before. And I was like, yeah, we're not that kind of church. I promise you. That's a true story. I, you know what? You people call me Pastor Don. I, sometimes I wonder why. I don't care about that. I, don't, I just don't. Someone asked me earlier, like, what's Breno's title? I don't. What's your title, Breno? I don't even know. But we don't even care around here about that stuff. But you know what breaks my heart? There's a lot of people who've come to me and said, hey, Pastor Don, I want to get involved. Well, none of them around here helping last week. That wasn't in there. That was free. See, my life's changed because of it. And there's a lot of us who sit here today because of the fruit of all that. I'm just saying, church, look, when you get desperate... You don't care about all that nonsense. All you care about is investing your life. It will determine how hungry you are for what God wants to do in your life and through your life. And you know what? I made the decision as the lead of my house that every time the church doors were going to be open, we were going to be there. You know why? Because there was a moment underneath that tent where I, this the day before, was going to lose my wife and lose my daughter and lose my son. I was going to lose everything in my life. But God came and saved me and he gave me back my wife. He let me keep my daughter. He let me keep my son. Listen, I promised him. I promised him what Hannah promised. And I hadn't read that story at that point. I said, God, if you'll give it to me, I'll give it back to you, and I'll be a good steward over it. And you better believe there were times in my life where people ridiculed me for how much I went to church. My own family sometimes. But let me tell you something. When you're about to lose it all and God gives it back to you, you don't care about ridicule. You know what I'm saying? You don't care about that. You're like, look, you got no idea what my Jesus did for me, right? You, if, you, if my Jesus did for you what he did for me, you'd beat me to the church. The power of God, the moving of God, it will cost us something. We've all been in the wilderness. Somebody say amen. I am sick and tired of God's people living like we cannot touch heaven with our circumstance because the God we have created is too busy to deal with us. Who's willing to be like Hannah? I'm just asking the question. Stand with me in this place. Who's willing to be like Hannah? To stand up and say, enough, enough, enough. Enough with this nonsense. This merry-go-round is stupid. Let go. It's going to hurt Pastor Don once. I will not get back on it. 
I got the scars to prove I rolled off of that dude. I am not getting back on the merry-go-round of stupid. There is no way. Not for you and not for anybody on this earth. Jesus delivered me from that. Hello, somebody. How desperate are you going to be? How desperate are you going to be? In the process, man, I got delivered from pornography addiction. I got delivered over and over and over from all kinds of things. And we have grown to the point that I would never have imagined where we walk with God today. It's so incredible. That don't mean there ain't issues. Come on. There's stuff. But I've got a pattern. Who's willing to be like Hannah, to stand up and say it's over? It's enough is enough. If you don't do it, Lord, it ain't going to get done. When we are desperate for God, God begins to do amazing things in our lives. And you know what blesses me the most? When my wife and I have been praying over something and we've been so desperate about something and all of a sudden God answers the prayer, my wife looks at me and goes, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, I got, I got no, I don't, that's the next, hey God, <laughs> uh, I don't know. 56 people in our Bible college. You know what my wife said? What are you going to do now? Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> we're going to teach the word of God. That's what we're going to do. I don't know what God spoke to you today, but if you're desperate and you want to spend a minute with God, this altar's open. If there's something in your life that just says, okay, God, I've heard your word. And, and I'm not real sure what the next step is, but I know that taking one step towards you means you'll take a, a couple towards me. I just want to come and just lay my life before you. I'm like Hannah in this moment that says, you know what, God? If you don't do it, it ain't going to get done. I would invite you right now to come as we worship. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. We are here for you. We are here for you. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Because all I want is all you
something, these, these God things. When it seems impossible, what's your reaction? Where do you turn? What's your response? And so Father, right now in this room, God, we want to embrace every bit of you moving in moments, God, that are beyond our control. In this moment of enough is enough, God, we're abandoning ourselves to you, God, and say, let your character and your promises come to pass, God. Show the world, God, through our hearts and lives, God, that you and you alone are the one who moves in desperate moments. And so, God, there's sickness, there's cancer right now in Jesus' name. I bind it in Jesus' name. Right now, God, there's brokenness in families through marriage and, 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 and parents and families, God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray for a miracle, God. Right now, God, there's financial situations that you are breaking through, God. Right now, God, desperate moments, desperate moments are represented, Lord. And we say in this place, God, if you don't get involved, your name's on the line. And so, God, move in each one. Our ears, our hearts long to hear, God, what you will do. God, I know that in this room right now, there is a Samson to be born. There is a Samson miracle to be born. Something that would declare the word of God for ages to come. Something that is prophetic. Something that will lead and guide and point the way, God. There is a Samson miracle being birthed right now because of desperate prayers. A Samson-sized miracle. Deliverance is coming. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I believe it. I believe there's a Samuel to be born right now in Jesus' name. There's a Samuel to be born in Jesus' name. God, there's a David being born right now in Jesus' name. There's an Apostle Paul miracle being born right now. There's a Pentecostal Peter being born right now in Jesus' name. The declaration of the power of the Holy Spirit moving. Right now, right now, God. In our desperate cry, God, you are birthing something. You are birthing the prophetic. You are birthing the miraculous. You are birthing deliverance. There are chains that are being broken. There's a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment being birthed right now in Jesus' name. Have your way, have your way, God.
God, we receive it. We receive it, God. There's a prophetic song that just came forward right there. It's not scripted. It's not written. We'll just receive that in Jesus' name. And I want to pray, too, over the seed that was planted this last week. Didn't grow in my heart till three weeks later. Amen. So will you pray with me about the seeds planted in VBS this last week? Come on. Father, we thank you that we've had an opportunity, Jesus, to plant seeds. Will you come, God, and water it with the Holy Spirit? Will you come with your presence, God, and strengthen it to grow? And God, with faith and anticipation, we wait to see what you would do with the seeds that have been sowed this week. Not only in children's lives, but in families' lives. We're believing. We're believing, God, for transformation. This morning in this place, God, we, we receive all the miracle-working power of God. And again, Lord, we long to hear of your goodness. And so we give you praise and glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. As you're being dismissed, why don't you look at someone and say, enough is enough. There are some who are still at the altar. We're going to allow them to spend as much time as they need there. So be dismissed very honorably, please.